It's the Sleepers Podcast. It's G with me again is Cart, and we are in some good moods tonight. Isn't that right, Cart? Hey, feeling good, man. Uh, big things coming for Sleepers. This is the year of the Sleepers. I'm feeling good. G, I mean, I can't, no one can really knock our mood right now, I feel like. No, some exciting things are happening. I'm, I'm excited to share some of this with the world. Uh, hopefully more exciting things coming, but we've had some big guests, a big one on this very episode. We're going to be speaking with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Ken Pomeroy. That is in the second half of this episode. But first, we also landed the official sponsor of the Sleepers podcast, the Locker Room app. Carter and I have uh, had quite a few experiences on the Locker Room app in the past year. They have a great thing going on over there. So, Card, I'm going to throw it to you to, to talk first about our lovely sponsor. Yeah, so, I mean, me and G have been using Locker Room for a couple months now, I think, actually. Uh, we were there from the beginning of it. It's a very dope app. Uh, basically, it's just connecting sports fans and, honestly, fans of anything. There's uh, bachelor rooms. There's rooms on culture. There's rooms on sports, really anything. And it's just connecting a bunch of people and giving the opportunity to just talk with other people. Um, it's a great app to use. It's free. Uh, there's also big time athletes that are using this app. I recently talked to, I was in a room with James Wiseman um, and he even brought you up and he talks to you in the room. So it's a really dope app. Uh, really excited about this. And also I need to take this time to do my little dance break and celebration. If you don't mind. Yeah. 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 At a boy. At a boy. Don't let cat get hot. Don't let him. Uh, all right so as you can see we're excited as we should be as anybody should be if you're listening to this if you're a new listener to the sleepers podcast you may not have heard of the locker room app you should check it out you can get it available in the itunes store in the is it called the itunes store app store or app store yeah app store i'm new at this all right folks give me some slack uh but check it out the app is dope i've been connected with athletes uh from all sorts of different sports. And I met a ton of different cool people on there. So if you're a sports fan, if you like our podcast, I'm sure you will love the app. And honestly, Cart, I wasn't planning on this little intro segment to be our ad read for Locker Room, but that's about the best ad read we're going to give them, right? And, and it would be. And also, you can't beat the fact that the sleepers are going to be on the Locker Room hosting rooms. Right? So you guys can talk to us directly. So now when you hear Greg say some dumb shit about Michigan, you Whoa. can just talk to him about hey. it right at that hey, point. Hey, hey, you hey, don't hey, have hey. to wait till after the episode's released. How dumb has my dumb Michigan shit been this year? It hasn't been that dumb, to be honest with you. I think I said, what, they'd be one spot higher than Michigan State preseason? And people yeah, told me that also, was crazy? But I also remember going through the outline of this episode, and there was a rule in bold, and it said no Michigan and Michigan State talking. And here we go. So I'm let's... sorry. We're hey, we're in happy moods because our teams are winning too. This is also the first time this year we both feel good about our teams. What can we do? Haven't lost in 2021. Haven't haven't lost. Let's keep it that way. I don't know if the sleepers have lost either, but uh, shit. Um, check the numbers. Gonna... Check the scoreboard. Let's curse ourselves. By the way, daily picks. Put some respect on my name, <laughs> folks. At GWizzy12 on Twitter. Again, haven't lost a day since 2021. Space Heater G is in full effect. I can see it right now. It's underneath the desk. So, look, get with the movement is all we're trying to say. 
We're going to have a bunch of cool episodes of this podcast on an ongoing basis. Carter and I are always talking hoops, but we're talking way more than that. And we're getting the biggest names in the world of basketball from all over to come join us. So thank you to everybody that's been listening so far. It's been a blast. Hopefully this is the start of something very special. And with that, let's get into some college hoops talk before we go to Mr. Ken Pomeroy. Oh, I was hoping I was going to hear that, but you moved it away from the mic. Oh, damn it. Well, let's do it. <laughs> there we go. All right. So actually, the first thing that we listed on this little outline that we want to talk about is the fact that Carter is bad at moments. This is a little meta, but like, Carter, why don't you give the people a, an example of what you're talking about there? So like when things happen, like let's say like if I'm at work and I make a big sale or something good happens with the sleepers, for example, I just have a hard time. I don't know, celebrating, getting excited about it. I'm just, I got like a, I don't know. I'm just a killer in this world. I just got a killer mindset. I'm just on to the next thing. I don't get happy about anything in this life, but that's not true because I'm a happy person. So I don't really get how it works. I don't know. Like I've, I've called you a couple times in the past couple weeks and been like, yo, we just landed a pretty big guest, like Mr. Ken Pomeroy. We were very excited about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, we should like have a little FaceTime drink or something to celebrate. And you look at me like I'm nuts. I was already on to the next episode. No disrespect to Ken Pom, but I just, I'm, I'm striving for greatness. So is this, is this an all life thing for you? Like when Michigan state wins, like, is there a moment in your head that is like an emotional, happy moment for you in Michigan State basketball history? Uh, I send out a tweet, maybe a celebratory TikTok, but then I'm on to the next one after that. Never, never complacent, never comfortable. Like it's just a pack and then you're, you're beyond? Yeah, basically. Okay. I mean, what about, let's go personal. What about your engagement? You got engaged in the last year. I got to imagine that was a special moment, right? Yeah, it was special. But, you know, after that weekend, I was on to the wedding. Onto the budgeting. I just don't buy that. Like I, <laughs> I, I know you. I've been with you for moments where we've been very happy together. Like, yeah. you know, and, the good old and, emotional bro friend moment. Yeah, and I and I am happy, and I am happy, and those moments are real. But at the same time, I don't know. Just, just how I was, how I was built, man. Luther built a a man who does not celebrate moments. Is what I've been told. Yeah, I'm an I'm an emotional emotionless person. If that makes any sense for the drizzy. It doesn't, but okay. all right. Well, this I, is, I won't good, psychoanalyze. Good thing you. this isn't a the good thing this isn't a podcast to break down my emotional state and who I am as a person. You're right. You're right. Like, the people are here for hoops. The people are here for hoops. So Thank let's you. give them hoops. Uh, but just know that I don't really buy the whole Carter psychopath, not emotional moment guy thing. Like, I mean, I've I've got an emotional hoops moment I'd like to share. Trey Burke hits the step back shot against Kansas. I can tell you exactly where I was and the feelings that I felt. I was at a surprise birthday party and literally, I kid you not, the birthday E person walked in the room, opened the door as the shot went in the air and everyone yelled surprise while the shot was in the air. And I was on all fours in front of the TV begging for it to go in and it went in and I went around crying screaming and everyone thought i was celebrating the birthday girl who will not be named i love you birthday girl i really do you know who you are but that was a bigger moment for me and that's a moment i'll never forget and i had an emotional moment and that's a good thing you're telling me you're never gonna have one of those 
I'm proud of you for being able to admit on this podcast that you, as a man, got on all fours um, <laughs> to celebrate a basketball shot. Not mad at you for that, but I, mean, I, I can't decide if it's either between that the half, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, that half where Luke Hancock hit four back-to-back threes and then they took the lead at half, or when they called the foul on Trey Burke on Peyton Siva. Those are my those are like my top two where I really connect to where I was emotionally. But besides that, I don't really know. I'm never gonna call you before a podcast recording again and offer to take a shot with you. Never again. I mean, you you are just crossing a line here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, I'll accept that you're bad at moments, apparently, whatever that means. And <laughs> hopefully we can move on from this. So last week on this podcast, we gave out a list of teams that we said we believed could win a national championship. This was the only group that we believed could actually win a title this season. There are 10 teams on the list. I'm going to run through them really quickly. Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, Illinois, Wisconsin, Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas, Villanova, and Houston. I want to revisit this list on an ongoing basis. And my question to you right now, Carter, is do we need to cross anybody off this list? I think we do need to cross some people off this list. But I don't know if me and you had the same teams that we want to cross off this list. Okay. We're going to have to work through that in real time, my friend. Okay, so I know that you want to cross off Houston, correct? I do want to cross off Houston. See, I'm not crossing off Houston. Um, what are you basing your crossing off of Houston off of? If you Houston has that. turmoil happening within the program right now, Carter. They do. Oh, yeah. They do. A preseason player of the year, I believe, Caleb Mills is transferring. Caleb Mills is transferring, and now Caleb Mills has not had the start to the season that many expected him to have. You could call it a case of the Mark Watts is going on. I don't know. But stop the pod. It is, it is what it is. He's out of the program. He's gone. Houston is nine and one as of this recording. They just beat Wichita State last night. It was a good win, but Wichita State did have an early lead in that game. But I tell you, Cart, Houston lost a one-point game to Tulsa. Yeah. Did you see the end of that game, though? I did see the end of that game. That was some bullshit. One could say. And look, I I don't want to be too reactionary. It's a one-point loss, but I'm ready to cross Houston off. I I don't like the combination of losing Caleb Mills with losing to Tulsa under any circumstances. Okay. I'm going to look at it from another angle, though. I think this is a situation where this team was really doing better, honestly, without Caleb Mills maybe in the role that he had last year. And because of that, they're kind of maybe shedding some – though Caleb Mills is a talented player, don't get me wrong, he's going to have a lot of suitors, by the way. You'll probably see him at a pretty big school next year. But I know a couple schools that could use a guard. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 stop because between that and the Mark Watts comment, that's a little too money like right in a short period of time. I mean, you gave me two. I just gave you two back. You gave okay. me Hancock. Even, and, okay, fine. To the pot. Like I was saying, um, I think Bring it's a situation Chenzo, where I'm quitting. Oh my god! It's a, situa- it's a situation where I think that they're kind of losing a player, though a good player, who is not with what the team's vision is or kind of what the goals are moving forward as a team and as a unit. Now, you know, you say let's look at Texas Tech though. Now moving on, they lose a player to transfer to the transfer portal today, and Demari Burnett, who hasn't played as much really talented player, but Texas tech has struggled lately. They've had a lot of games where they haven't even come close to covering the spread. They has a loss to Oklahoma state in overtime. 
uh, and they kind of look shaky. And though against everything that I believe in, I don't want to go against Chris Beard and a team in March. And as much as I like this Texas Tech team, it just hasn't clicked to this point where I think it needs to. And I don't want to do it, but I might have to cross them off the list. And I know you don't want to. You know, I might be ready to come around. I wow. said I didn't want to, but I might be ready to come around. I have a lot of Namari Burnett thoughts, by the mm. way. Namari um, Burnett, a guy that was heavily recruited by the Michigan Wolverines. Jawan Howard had a pretty existing relationship for a while. They were thought to be a serious contender in the recruitment. Texas Tech was kind of floating on the perimeter. I believe it, for a while it was an Alabama-Michigan race. And then Texas Tech comes out of nowhere. Namari said he wanted to play a really up-tempo system. That's not Texas Tech. He's coming off the bench all year. He's playing, I think, like 12 minutes a game. He's shooting terrible percentages. He's shooting 20% from the floor. He's shooting 17% from three. Now, he's shooting great from free throw, so you got to think like the shot is there, but he doesn't pass the eye test either. I mean, when he gets in the game, yeah, it's a short spurt, but he's not really controlling the floor, commanding the game, letting it come to him. It's, it's sort of like they're uh, – I always say this, but it's like they're playing five on four a little bit when he's out there. So I just don't see it with him. Um, Michigan fans are all over him. They want him to transfer to Michigan for next season, which I actually don't really want that. I won't be upset if he comes to Michigan, but mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm very pro Frankie Collins. So I don't really want to do anything to piss him off as a recruit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't like where this Texas t- tech team is at though. I agree with you. Right. And, and it's, I want to like really like this team because they have the pieces, but outside of Amari Burnett, I mean, Micah Peavy's kind of really exploded onto the national scene this year. I think he's an NBA prospect at this point, maybe the most promising NBA prospect on that team. Um, And the only thing that I can really, if I was a Texas Tech fan, look forward to is the fact that no one on this team, I think, has played their best basketball up until this point as a unit, as one. It'll be a situation where Santos Silva's playing well, but Mar- but Mac McClung is having a shooting slump, or Terrence Shannon is playing extremely well, and you know Mac McClung's in a slump, or vice versa. It hasn't really come together yet. But when you have a coach like Chris Beard and you do have the pieces, it's something that could definitely come to better come together, and they could play their best basketball at some point. But at this point, if I had to cross the team off the list. They haven't shown me enough and they lost games and they have not played well against some really, really bad teams, honestly. So, you know, by that criteria, we have to cross them off this list. Eh, hold up. So okay. first of all, Chris Beard had a press conference today to address the Namari Burnett situation. And he wore a Tupac t-shirt to the press conference. So that alone, I'm willing to give him an extension of my belief based on that. I like that. I like that move. Second was the last time you listened to a Tupac song a very long time ago, but I respect it. That's not what I expect from Chris Beard. The fact that he's willing to go there publicly in a moment where uh, you got to listen to the press comments. Actually, he kind of trashed Amar Burnett. It's pretty funny, but um, I I'm not willing to write Texas tech off yet because to everything you just said, it's all about right now. And this list is not about how are they playing right now? It's about, are we going to see a vision come together come March? If it was about right now, I think we could cross Illinois off the list. There's an argument for crossing Tennessee off the list. There's an argument for crossing Wisconsin off the list after that loss to Maryland last week. So yeah. I, I don't base this list off of that. I base it off of if things came together, could we see it happening in March? And with Texas Tech, 
I still see it even without Namari Burnett with Houston. I don't see it based on the last three games I've watched. Okay. So, you know what, let's talk, um, let's talk the teams that lost recently. So let's go to Tennessee and I actually want to bounce a theory off you because it sounds crazy in my head, but for some reason I can't get on board with playing the two big man uh, kind of system, but Tennessee, you have John Fulkerson, who is a SEC player of the year candidate, a really good player. But sometimes, I don't know, watching that last game, him and Ease Pond playing together sometimes, like to me, I feel like if they made like a putting Ease Pond at the five and then just playing like four guards or four wings, you know, something in that combination, do you think that could make Tennessee a better team? I mean, defensively, this team is great, I think. Like that's, yeah. that's undeniable. Um, so it's kind of hard to to pull them out of this list because the defense is going to be there. If they figure it out offensively, it could be really great. This might be a situation where they finally played a team that wasn't trash. I mean, yeah. they played Missouri, who was pretty much the only good team, but the rest of their non-conference was absolutely garbage. So, you know, I kind of want to know your thoughts on Tennessee and where they're moving forward because I like to keep them on the list if I'm doing it. Yeah, I think I think what we knew about Tennessee through the non-conference – was that we knew they could demolish terrible teams because they were presented with about six games against awful, awful, awful teams like Ken Palm 300-plus teams. Shout out Ken Palm. But they, they handled those games, 30 to 40-point victories, right? And that's what you expect an elite team to do, and they looked like an elite team. Then they got into SEC play, and they were presented with opportunities against Missouri where they went on the road and demolished Missouri. I mean, that was one of the most impressive victories any team's had all year. Mm -hmm. Understandable, you would come off that game and maybe have a little bit of a letdown game. They lose at home to Alabama, an Alabama team that has talent, Javon Quinterly. John Petty is somehow still at Alabama. He was yeah. there. I feel like he was there two years before Colin Sexton got there, but he's still there. Shout out and then. Oats. They actually impressed me. They didn't cover in the home win against Arkansas, but Arkansas is a good team. I love their style of play. Musselman, I'm a, a huge fan of his as a coach. Moses Moody is arguably the most talented player in the SEC to me this season. So I don't know. I like what I've seen from Tennessee. I agree with you that their parts feel a little bit weird to me. Honestly, they remind me a lot of kind of the middle tier John Calipari Kentucky teams where on paper you can name seven different guys on this team that are great players individually. But mm -hmm. then when you actually talk about how they fit together or you look at them individually, like, do you really want Pons and Fulkerson on the floor together? Like you said, yeah. is Vascovi at point really the best thing for a team with Jaden Springer? Right. Like there are questions here. And I think I've made this joke to you in the past where Kentucky teams felt to me like, it was a bunch of 2K created players. <laughs> Tennessee is that team for me this year. They've got the Euro transfer point guard with bleach blonde hair. They've got the couple five-star recruits that come off the bench. They've got the white boy post player that's grit and grind. They've got the DK Metcalf muscles forward. Like They're fun on paper. They're all talented players. I just don't know how they fit together at this point. And for all those who put a bet on when Greg would mention 2K in your pods and took the under, go ahead and cash your ticket now. Um, honestly, I thought it'd be sooner, but, you know, you did, you eventually got around to it. But hey, Look, I have my go-tos. Ken Palm and 2K are going right. to be consistent go-tos. Hey, consistency is great. But, you know, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's something about the team just not gelling together. Maybe the pieces not fitting exactly how they need to. Um, so – 
you know, I, I want defense wins. All right. So, and they have the potential offensively as well. So I think they come together and they deserve to stay on the sleepers contender list. Um, who else on there are you thinking about that maybe doesn't deserve to be there? I mean, I think, I think everyone for now deserves to be here. If we're, if we're talking, can we see them winning a title? I mean, we're not crossing Gonzaga off Baylor, Tennessee, Illinois, Wisconsin, Kansas. Got to shout out Texas, man. I, we, we, we've been on Texas and we talked about Texas as yeah. a team. Yeah. And that was a huge win at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Absolutely destroyed Kansas yeah. and looked great doing so. And didn't have a letdown in their last game against a t- Iowa State team that played really tough against Baylor. Also played them very tough and they still got out of there with a win. So this right. Texas team is rolling. Shaka Smart has a jerry curl. He has um, hair. He has hair. hair. I'll never get used to it, but that Texas team is really, really good. Look, Shaka was on the hot seat, and then he grew out his hair, and now he's maybe coach of the year. Yeah, he I don't said, know they, what can't, he said they can't fire me if they don't if they can't notice me. Look, I I love this Texas team. Greg Brown to me is a freshman that deserves way more national recognition than he's getting. To me, he's honestly one of the top five freshmen probably in college basketball this year. He's been great, and they've got senior guards. Matt Coleman, I love him. I, I just like the experience this Texas te- or this Texas team brings back. And I think I've told you my theory before where what I'm looking for in teams that can win in March is a top 10 Ken Palm defense, which I don't know what Texas's number is at off the top of my head, but they're up there. Tennessee is number one. I know that mixed with either NBA guard play or with senior guards. And they have a senior point guard, Matt Coleman, who's hooping this year. They've got experience, man. I like everything Texas brings to the table. And, yeah, right now they look like the Big 12 favorite. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think when we went over it, we were like, damn, do we have too many Big 12 teams in here? Because I think we had, what, three, four? That is, that is the thing. We have a problem. We have Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Texas in our list of 10 right now. See, and which- I, think, I think Baylor and Texas are absolutely cemented on this list. Kansas has to be there too, though. They could easily figure it out. They do have your favorite player, Scooter Braun. Had another good game last night, by the way. They have Jalen Wilson, who's a problem for the entire country. But so look, I I don't think we need to get too aggressive in crossing teams off because the last thing I want to do is get to March with two teams on our list and say, these are the only two teams that can win a title. Like that's just not true. (laughs) Come down down to it. We have Baylor and Gonzaga there at the end. (laughs) If this, if this list is to really say who can win a title, I think it's fair to have 10 on the list right now. I just want to cross Houston off the list. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's just maintain the list this week. So you're, you're unwilling to take Houston off the list at this point. No, I, I'm, I'm done. If we take Houston off. (laughs) <laughs> why what's like what are you so attached to with this houston team right they got literally when we talk about like teams that can make a run in march they have it they got killer guard play they have a very underrated front court a front court that doesn't really need like shine either they're willing to do all the all the dirty work uh the things that maybe the guards lack maybe defensively they pick up on that i love quinn grimes i love marcus sasser Love the trade. You I love Marcus Sasser. I love Marcus you Sasser. Love Marcus Sasser. I love Houston. Tell me what you love about Marcus Sasser. He's a bucket. He's a killer. Like they just got guards that are killers. Jerome is a killer. He'll get a tech every other game. I always support that. Shout out Mike Conley for never getting a tech in his NBA career. Shame on you. But like 
this, it's just like you can't this Houston team they got dogs and like I'm not counting out dogs when it comes to March and they got old dogs who can hoop as well so this team they got what I need when you got a backcourt like that combined with a front court willing to beat someone's ass and do the dirty work I mean I'm not going against that in March and a great coach in Kelvin Sampson I just okay. I don't think we're ever gonna get to a point where we agree on them. Maybe they swing back around, but it's like there's not gonna be anything I don't think in conference play that gets us to a point where we cross them off because they're gonna win games in conference play. Are you right? Uh, are you maybe alluding to hashtag wait and see? On <laughs> I, but I hate wait and see. I'm so not team wait and see. I'm I'm team if we see it right now with our eyes. We don't need extenuating circumstances to tell if we us. Cross, that, that if we cross them off, can we bring them. If we cross them off, can we bring them back? No. When you cross the team off, they're gone. Then I'm not willing to cross them off. I think that's that's unfair. Okay, so we're gonna hold still with our ten. Let's hold still. Let's give it another. Let's give it another uh, another week or two. Okay, let's at least give a consensus. Cart and G like power rankings. We both got Gonzaga one. Mm-hmm. Baylor clear two, right? Yep. Where would you go from there? Because I do think there's been movement since last time we had, I think, Tennessee number three. I think Texas is up to three. I'm fine with Texas three. Texas three. I'm making Google Doc adjustments as we speak, folks. Texas is three. And again, this isn't who's playing right now. This is potential to win a title. That we made made off a list the last episode. We're not adding any teams. We're just crossing off. So, the, again, this is not our top 10 teams right now. Because if this is top 10 teams right now, folks, trust me, Michigan is in the top five for me. <laughs> Gonzaga one, Baylor two, Texas three. I mean, who do you believe in most next? I'd probably put Tennessee four. I'd probably put Tennessee four. I think I'd put Illinois five. I think at this point you got to put Wisconsin five. <sighs> Even off the loss. You think Wisconsin's potential is higher than Illinois? No, but I'm talking about right now. But we're talking we're talking our perception of their chance to win a title. Whose is higher? I think it's oh, Illinois. All right, Illinois to me then, if okay. that's the case. Illinois five, Wisconsin, I'm fine at six. I would go Kansas seven, Villanova eight, and then Texas Tech and Houston at the bottom. To be petty, can we swap Texas Tech and Houston? We can put Texas Tech last. Let's go. We can do that. Cart wins. My last Texas Tech piece, I said this to you via text like a month ago. Micah Peavy someday will be an NBA lottery pick. And I honestly, I'm not mad at that at all. I'm a little mad at myself for it. I think that's a little bit hot, but okay. I'll be here. Hey, I'm always here to support you, man. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, so we've got Ken Palm. Yeah, let's get let's get to the people what they probably clicked on this episode for, or listened to this for. Yeah, the man, I hope myth, there's the hundreds of people listening to this who are just like, who are these idiots? I clicked on this shit thing. to listen to Ken Palm, and I'm looking at some ugly light skinned dude and some white dude with a car hat hard on. What the hell did I just click? This is clickbait. So our conversation with Ken Palm was a very fun one, very enlightening one. We talked everything from the origin story of KenPalm.com, how he feels about the way he is perceived in the world of college basketball, big name players and coaches that have brought up his name to the media and what's new, what's next and what's in store for KenPalm.com going forward. 
I highly recommend, I say this on the podcast as well, but subscribe to KenPom.com. If you have seen me and my daily picks gambling videos, you know how much of a Bible and a source of information KenPom is for me. It's just a great way to learn about the game of basketball. And there's not many people on earth who are more intelligent or know more about this lovely game that we all care about than Mr. Ken Pomeroy. Yeah. So Greg, hey, Greg said it all. I mean, I'd even go as far as say Ken Palm is a pillar of college of college basketball, to be honest. I mean, even at the inception of when we were even talking about making this podcast, we've been referencing Ken Palm since we, you know, basically started talking basketball at all. So it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, you know, you really learn a lot about him as a person as well. Great listen. So I'm really excited about this and really excited for everyone to hear this. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. That it is. Let's go straight to it. Today, we've got a guest who needs no introduction. I'm assuming everyone has heard of this man, but I am so excited to have him on the other end of the line. We've got Mr. Ken Pomeroy. Ken, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. So, Ken, I I just kind of teased you before we clicked record here and and gave you the background on us, but I also want to give any listeners of the show a little background on us. If you're a new listener to us and you don't know sort of how Carter and I approach basketball, Carter is very much a, a, a player's mentality. He played college fall. I'll kind of let you get into that. But we've had many uh, a conversation over the years where, you know, I love my stats. I'm an analytics guy. Um, so I, I'm really excited to get to talk to Ken about sort of how he has become the star in the analytics world that he is. Um, but I also want to give Carter an opportunity to, to learn a little bit today from this conversation. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, looking this, looking at looking at this as a learning. I mean, of course, I know Ken and his work, um, but like G stated, kind of being from more of the basketball player perspective, um, analytics is kind of a new thing. When I started playing, so I stopped playing five years ago, and it just kind of started being implemented. Uh, our coaching, our coaching staff, I played at Albion College. They started kind of using it more and more. Um, so I'm, you know, definitely interested to learn more about it and kind of learn. A little bit more about Ken Palm because it kind of se- it seems like uh, you're kind of a, an enigma at times, uh, but you know have such a large stature to you as well. Yeah, well, I also want to stress that uh, we don't we don't need to uh, necessarily separate the uh, the players from the the analytics. Like, there's definitely some crossover, I think. And uh, even though I, you know, would never expect uh, people on the court to be thinking about analytics in real time as they're playing, um, you know, I think every player at some points thinks about the stats or production or something in a way that like relates to analytics in ways that they don't even think of. So um, yeah. So I just make that point just to start. I out. know, I know Carter was asking for his box scores after his Albion games. <laughs> how many points I get, how many boards I get. So yeah, it wouldn't be the only person. Yeah, wasn't much in there either. Just uh, yeah, throwing that well, out there. <laughs> hey, don't downplay it. All right. So let's, let's get into a little, a little origin story. If you don't mind, Ken. So your site dates back to 2002 as far as archives go for yearly stats, there's information you can get on the history of Ken Pomeroy and how you got into the game of basketball. But how, how did you sort of rise to this person who's become such a big figure in analytics? Was that always a goal or was this something where you kind of just started doing it and realized there was such a need for it that it grew organically? Yeah, it was more, it was more the latter, Uh, you know, early two thousands, was really a time where uh, the internet was kind of 
taking shape and uh, there's some really good content online uh, with respect to baseball and people writing about it from an analytical standpoint. And, um, you know, I wasn't a huge baseball fan, but I found that writing like really engaging. And, uh, you know, this is before Google. So I was like, there's obviously got to be somebody doing this for college basketball, you know, my favorite sport, like who's doing it. Let me, let me figure out who that is. I'll find it eventually. And, you know, after like weeks of searching, never found that person. So, uh, so I just kind of started doing it myself and yeah, not with really any expectations that I would, you know, get to the point I am today where I, you know, it's my full-time job, but, uh, um, you know, I always hoped there'd be like kind of a small following and, uh, you know, initially there was a small following, which was, you know, uh, certainly motivating, but, uh, yeah, that's really how it got started. It was, uh, just, I guess, trying to fill a need, uh, personally, it was really selfish, but, uh, <laughs> I needed a need filled. And so I just, uh, filled it myself. So did it start, I mean, your site is so robust now, as far as everything you track, I mean, you can go through it. If you're a subscriber to KenPom.com, there's literally pretty much limitless options of what you want to look at, whether it's games, player stats, projections, et cetera. Where did you start as far as priorities go on what's important to track from a metric standpoint? So I was really influenced by uh, a guy by the name of Dean Oliver, who uh, is currently on the Washington Wizards staff. And uh, he wrote a book that came out uh, 2001-ish, 2002, somewhere around there, uh, called Basketball on Paper, which if you want to just kind of scratch the surface of basketball analytics, you know, you're not really well-versed in it. It's a great introduction to the field. Um, you know, he, he speaks kind of in simple, writes in simple terms. And uh, he came up with this idea called the four factors, which, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense. It's basically, you know, that your offense can be explained by four things. One is shooting, one's turnovers, one's rebounding, and one is free throw shooting. And basically those things, you know, are in the box score and you can use those to figure out, you know, kind of the components of your offense or your defense. And uh, so that was my focus initially, you know, looking at offensive and defensive efficiency and then looking at the four factors. And, uh, you know, if you want to see like the origin of my site, you know, you can go onto the, uh, the internet archive and, and pull up my site from 2002. And uh, if you think my site looks simple today, it was uh, really kind of a train wreck back then, but it, it had the information on there. And that was like enough to get people interested. I can imagine the wild west of the pre Google internet days, the way the site looked and probably the people that were visiting the site as well. <laughs> but you've become renowned for, for looking at tempo free stats, which is something that I'm relatively new to. I really started getting serious at looking at, you know, advanced metrics on a tempo free basis a couple of years ago. Um, but I think once you start looking at stats that way, it is going to totally change the way you approach teams and players that are successful versus teams and players that aren't. How quickly did you realize tempo was critical to what you were doing? Uh, yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, that was like my main motivation to getting started was that there, you know, there was this issue with, with tempo just influencing all sorts of stats. And so you'd watch a game and you'd see, you know, an announcer talk about how this team is first in the country in scoring offense or whatever, but invariably the team that leads the country in scoring offense is a team that plays at a pretty fast pace as well. Like they, you know, they normally have a good offense, but they also uh, have a lot of possessions in their games. And uh, so, yeah, I was just really itching to like separate those two things out and, uh, and see who, you know, who had the best offense on a points per possession basis, which is really what you want to know. You know, it, I think though, you know, the whole, my motivation for diving into stats and analytics is kind of to add an element of fairness in terms of judging things. And so it's really not fair to judge a, an offense by how many points they score per game because, you know, the Wisconsin's of the world 
often have great offenses, but they don't have many possessions. And so they'll never be judged well by that kind of metric. So from a fairness standpoint, you really want to strip away a team style and just look at, Hey, when they have the ball, you know, how lethal is their offense or how good is their defense when they don't have the ball. And, uh, and that was kind of a, an early goal for me, for sure. Basically, there's probably a lot of people out there that years ago would look at a Tony Bennett, Virginia team that's scoring 65 points a game and say, well, their offense stinks. No, that's not it. They're, uh, they're totally doing a different style of play. Um, so, Ken, I, I want to talk a little bit about your the public perception of your site and I guess you as an entity as well, because I think honestly, my perception of it, and you can correct me if I'm totally wrong here, is that you carry this sort of mystique, almost like an impressive, like basketball wizard of Oz type thing, where everyone is like, just mystified by this persona of Ken Palm, and you've become, quote unquote, the stats guy. And I know coaches and players alike have taken notice. Um, What's that like? And is that something that you appreciate or you don't like? Uh, it depends on how that, uh, that kind of stuff is used, you know, sometimes, um, you know, people who, you know, every year there's kind of a new, uh, part of my, uh, customers, not customers isn't the right word. Cause these people usually aren't paying for my work, but people who just, you know, become exposed to my work. who don't really know my background or know my history or know my philosophy or anything like that. And, uh, you know, they kind of, uh, are critical of my work in ways that doesn't make sense. You know, they assume that uh, I'm putting these ratings forward as, as gospel and, and they can't be challenged or anything like that. Or they assume that I, that's all I do is uh, write website code and I don't watch games or I'm not a fan or I'm just looking at the game in this very clinical way. And, um, you know, that stuff isn't really true. But, uh, but in general, um, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of like all the, you know, the people that are interested in my work and obviously even more appreciative from the, the coaching and player side, you know, people that are in the game that use my work, like that's ultimately what gives my work, you know, what gave my work early on credibility was the kind of the coaches, um, you know, citing my work in press conferences and things like that. And I think it brought some of the, the naysayers in the media along that otherwise would have been, uh, you know, much less receptive to what I was doing. What's it like when you watch a basketball game? Like, what are you exactly looking for? What are you kind of measuring? I mean, are you watching it? Is, does, is it, hard to separate kind of watching it as a fan but also watching and analyzing the game yeah sometimes I mean I think I think most of the time I'm watching a game just like a fan would like just for entertainment purposes like that's ultimately why you you know you get hooked on the sport is that it's like really entertaining to watch um but uh there certainly are times where I'm watching a game and you know I'll just see a guy take a shot and you know a a challenge shot from the elbow or something like that and I'm like yeah wow that's like you know a really poor shot or a really, you know, a good job by the defense or whatever. Those um, are Carter's and so I do shots, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Love contested elbow jumpers. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so it's funny, like, you know, in the days when I played pickup ball, like th- that was my favorite shot too, because I couldn't get shots in the rim and I wasn't a very good perimeter shooter. So, you know, I was like the walking example of why those shots are taken. Like if you're not uh, a very dynamic offensive player, like you end up taking crappy shots. And, uh, and so, you know, I do watch the game from that standpoint as well. Um, but it's not like I'm breaking down numbers a lot when I'm watching a game. Like if I'm at a game, if I'm on press row or something, like I'll definitely have the stat monitor up and I'll be, you know, monitoring things from that standpoint and looking for little nuggets. But for the most part, I'm, I'm not overloading my head with like a lot of analytical concepts when I'm watching a game. Got it. That makes sense. So uh, kind of along the lines of that question, it's interesting to me to think like 
Okay. Content creators in general, this is a, a unique word to pick to call your site and everything that you do content, but anyone that creates something like you'll get widely varying answers on, do you also consume that site or that content? Do you like listening to your own voice? Do you listen to your own <laughs> songs? If you're a musician, do you go to your own site and like really interpret the data beyond what you've already created here? Like, will you look at your top 25 or whatever the ratings are and kind of look at this and be like, oh, it's interesting that this team is so high. That doesn't make sense. Yes, absolutely. I do that uh, uh, all the time. Um, and that is part of the way I watch the game, by the way. Like, you know, if a team is, you know, ranked in my top 25 that everybody else thinks is garbage, like I'm really intrigued by that team. And I'm probably going to watch their next game. I'm probably going to watch their next five games because uh, I want to see uh, what people think. And I want to see what, you know, uh, what my computer is, uh, is catching on to. So, um, you know, and that goes for a player level as well. I guess sometimes I'll run across a player who is, is looks like they've been really productive this year and nobody's talking about them. For some reason, they're not in the starting lineup or whatever. And, uh, you know, I want to watch that player and see what, what am I missing? What are the numbers missing? And, and, uh, and so that does drive a lot of my viewing habits during the season. I'm happy right now because my Michigan Wolverines just made it to 10th for the first time this season, cracked your top 10 on KenPom.com. We've got Hunter Dickinson, freshman phenom, who I believe is eighth in the KenPom player of the year rankings right now. Um, what jumps out at you if there was something either in the team rankings or the player rankings right now is like something that doesn't feel right to you as a watcher of the game. Is there a team that might well, be overrated, underrated, anything like that right now? Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to jump out and say, hey, this team's overrated or underrated, but, you know, the, the, the teams that I, I do, like, you know, like Tennessee has, like, been a really interesting team this year where, uh, you know, people have kind of uh, had jumped onto them uh, after they crushed Missouri, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about them being a, a top five team or whatever, um, and, you know, here's a, uh, just one of Ken's like rules of basketball analysis, especially in college basketball, but like always wait until a team loses before you uh, give any strong opinions about them. Cause it's always easy to jump on the bandwagon when a team's undefeated. And now that Tennessee is lost, like, you know, I don't know how people feel about them, but first I'm still really intrigued by, by their lineup. Like they, you know, they got this great mix of like experienced players and, and kind of five-star guys. And they got a bunch of length out on the court and a bunch of athleticism. And they obviously play this like really, fun to watch defensive style that has been very effective this year. You know, the number one ranked defense right now in my system. So they're a team that I'm still kind of itching to follow, you know, the next two or three weeks now that people have kind of backed off of them after they lost to Alabama. Um, I throw Clemson in there as well, just because they're like, so they're 18th in my system. And I, I know they're ranked in the AP poll as well. I don't know exactly where, cause I don't follow the AP poll that closely, but, <laughs> um, but they're another team that like, you know, their name, the, the name Clemson, like they just don't have a lot of basketball tradition. So I think people are a little hesitant to, to jump on board, but they have the number two ranked defense in my system. And, uh, you know, they've only lost once uh, on the road to Virginia Tech. So they're another team that, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious to follow as, as time goes on. You know, they're a team that does also have a very experienced lineup and has kind of a high, uh, high ceiling player in Amir Sims. And so, uh, so they're a team that, you know, if, you didn't, if they didn't have the name Clemson, if they had the name, uh, you know, North Carolina, like people might be like, you know, pretty high on them or more, higher on them than they are now. So those are uh, a couple of teams that I think are, are worth watching in terms of maybe being, uh, I don't know if underrated is the word, but teams that have a little bit of mystery surrounding them right now. You had a lot of gems in there that are, were like music to my ears talking about it's hard to get on a team's bandwagon until they lose a game. 
Carter, that's basically what you've been telling me about Michigan for a month plus. <laughs> it, that, that, you know what? Yeah, great minds think alike, you know. So, you know, uh, me and Greg personally, we have, you know, kind of dabbled in sports gambling a little bit. I know a lot of sports gamblers reference your website and your rankings as well, even, you know, up against other people's rankings and kind of use it to, um, you know, kind of compare spreads and things like that with gambling and like sports gambling kind of growing in the world today. Have you seen like an uptick in maybe usage on your website or is that something that you might kind of go further into uh, maybe in the future? Yeah, it's hard to track like who uses my website. I obviously know it's, you know, popular gamblers. So, uh, you know, they make up a decent percentage of, uh, of subscribers. But, um, but I, you know, I will say like one of like certainly one of my goals early on was to you know to make predictions for for games you know two months from now because you know I do think like the Vegas point spread is the you know I mean it's historically been proven like it's the best predictor of, of um, you know future events so um, the problem is you know especially 50 years ago you didn't get Vegas spreads for a lot of like lower level games now you can get them for pretty much every game but back then you know you only got them for like the top half of college basketball uh, for the most part and you obviously don't get them for more than a day or two in advance so if i want to know you know hey you know michigan against indiana you know what is the spread going to look like in a month like I, I have a reference for that so that's really where like my gambling angle comes from um I, you know i don't really plan to necessarily tap into that market any more than i have been which is really like unintentionally for the most part mm. um you know you're obviously not necessarily using the predictions from my site to uh to beat the point spread. If that was the case, you know, I'd be charging you a lot more than 1995 for, <laughs> for access. So, so I think there's some, there may be some information in there on the teams that is useful from a gambling standpoint or making predictions, but uh, yeah, it's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah. I think you may have an opportunity going forward. Cause like yeah. Carter said, we're uh, we dabble in the gambling world. I'm sure a lot of people listening to our podcast are people that follow us for gambling picks. Um, and just with the way that whole industry is going to grow. I mean, I, we do daily picks videos on Twitter. Carla and I do Carter and I both do where we give out three games a day. If there's a good list of games that day. Um, and I, it's, it's very rare that I go a two minute video per day without mentioning Ken Palm or this team's ranked on Ken Palm. This is the spread on this matchup on Ken Palm. Uh, and I must say my record's pretty solid this year. So there's a, <laughs> there could be an expansion opportunity for you there. Well, I do think uh, to me, it's interesting, you know, the cases where there is a difference, like usually the spread and, and my prediction are pretty close. But, yeah. Uh, the real interesting cases are the ones where either the spread is pretty far from my prediction, you know, trying to figure out what, what's going on there or the cases where like people are surprised by the spread and it matches my prediction. Like you'll occasionally see that not, you know, usually that has a lot to do with like home court advantage, uh, you know, it's like, I get, you know, it really came up earlier this year with Illinois played Missouri. Like there are a lot of like Missouri fans, I think who are like, why is this, you know, like Missouri might've been a one point underdog or even a one point favorite or something. And they're like, you know, why is the spread so close? And you, you look at my site and like, it had, you know, anticipated that the spread would be close. And, you know, obviously Missouri won that game, but uh, um, yeah, those cases are, are pretty fascinating to me as well. Just like how people tend to, uh, Oh, they tend to not necessarily, uh, the, they tend to overrate maybe one or two, you know, extreme performances from a team and use that to judge them. And then, you know, really you look at like Vegas spreads or my predictions and it does a better job of treating the outliers uh, appropriately, which is to not give them too much weight. Yeah. 
Well, we got a great example of it tonight that our listeners will love too. Rutgers is traveling to the Breslin Center to play Michigan State. Rutgers yeah. is 19th in KenPob.com right now. Michigan State is 50th. Uh, the Vegas spread started, I believe, at Michigan State minus one. I think it's risen up to minus two and a half latest that I saw. Yep. So, you know, home court advantage, maybe some some name recognition, some Tom Izzo, people thinking he's just going to figure it out. But, man, this Rutgers team has been tough. And I'm, I, told, I said it on my daily picks video today, but I'm all over Rutgers. And I believe you've got them at a, a Rutgers one-point victory for the prediction tonight. So, Yeah, that's yeah, a great case as well. Like, you'd think, you know, like – so I Michigan state at 50th and they played like the 50th best team, honestly, like they were a team, you know, when they lost to Northwestern, I was, as I said, I don't follow the AP poll too closely, but I, they were somewhere in the mid twenties in my system when they lost to Northwestern and they were still are, the I AP think they're, they're 23rd in the AP yeah, poll somehow, today. Somehow, yeah, somehow they're still Crazy. ranked, but, and you know, I think there's some, you know, AP poll aside, like there's some, I think there's a decent line of thinking that they're not the 50th best team. They, you know, they're a little bit better. They played some of their worst games so far and they should improve um so it'll be interesting to see what happens like generally speaking uh i do like i like i said i'm intrigued by those cases where the vegas spread is a little bit different than mine and this is one of those cases and i can see why like you can see you know ultimately michigan state starting to win some games they're not going to go you know five and 15 in big 10 play right so this is if they're uh, you know if they're going to get back on track like this is a game that, that they figure to win so it'll right. be interesting to see what happens that we could go five fifteen. I mean, <laughs> had some tough <laughs> ones this year. I, do, guess, I, I have a feeling I'm losing a pod podcast host if that happens. So uh, yeah, you, you probably you probably are to be honest. I wanna I wanted to ask you about a couple specific parts of the model that you have today. And you mentioned you mentioned home court advantage as one, and obviously COVID has totally shaken that. What's the perception of how much that's changed within the last year without crowds at these games? Yeah, it's really like a tricky thing to measure, but it seems like it's roughly so, you know, in the past home court advantage was, you know, around three and a half points per game in conference play. And uh, it's probably down to around two, somewhere between two, two and a half, somewhere in there. I mean, so far this season, home teams have won 55% of conference games and, uh past four seasons combined that number has been 60 percent so you know converting that to points is a little tricky uh, just having a straight value for points in every game is a little bit tricky for home court advantage because there's some evidence that it's more important in closer matchups than it is in lopsided matchups but um uh you know it's somewhere maybe slightly better than half of what it used to be so it still exists but it's definitely less of a factor and that is you know, good news for like the best teams in a conference. Uh, you know, certainly uh, a team like Gonzaga, you know, we're talking about them going undefeated and it's like perfect gear for them to do that because A, the season's shorter and B, there's no home court or less home court advantage. So when they're going on the road, you know, less chance for them to get upset. It, it really does help the, the favorites a little bit this year. That's why I got Gonzaga running the, running the, I think they run the table this year, to be honest. Yeah, we did. A I whole... mean, obviously it's set up well for them to, to, do that in conference play you know whether they can run through the ncaa tournament i think is going to be a lot more challenging but uh we don't even know what the ncaa tournament is going to look like at this point so we'll see right we did a whole gonzaga versus the field conversation on a previous episode and it seems that the media is really taken to that although i am still very much in the camp of it's gonzaga and baylor versus the field and i feel a little backed up by that because there's a four-point gap between Baylor and the number three team in your rankings. You've got Gonzaga one, but Baylor's not far behind. 
So would you would you lean more to my side of that conversation, or do you think Gonzaga is a clear clear number one? No, I mean I think I think Gonzaga is number one, but I do think Baylor is closer than people are giving them credit for. It's it's really interesting this year to me. Like normally the roles are reversed, so you know Gonzaga is the team that people that's really good, but people dismiss because of their schedule and unfairly so. And this year, you know, obviously Gonzaga played everybody they could in non-conference. Uh, and Baylor's had a pretty weak schedule and their the beginning of their conference schedule has been, uh, you know, pretty weak as well. They've already played Kansas state and Iowa state who are the two worst teams in their league. So they haven't played the toughest schedule and people are kind of discounting them because of that. But the way they've played against that schedule is consistent with a team that's really, really good. And I do think Gonzaga is, you know, a little bit better than Baylor, but I think that gap is a lot closer than, than people uh, think right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it play out. I, I'm still – I'm itching for that game to be played. I know it got canceled or postponed. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look good. It will have to – hopefully hopefully it'll be played in March. I think that's the only chance for that to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I want to do a, a little segment here. So I am convinced that you are the most interesting Wikipedia page in college <laughs> basketball. There are three facts that I wrote down here that I – uh, there's one that I know is true. Two of these I have a hard time, well, not hard time believing are true, but I could see either being true or false here. Some, some um, of them are false on Wikipedia. I'm just going to. So I'm, I'm going to go through these three and I want you to tell me, is this true? And if it is true, give us a little background on, you know, the story behind it. Um, number one, you worked with the Houston Rockets and you teamed up with Daryl Morey. Uh Sort of true, mostly false, but yeah, I did have a, a you know, a brief uh, dalliance with the Rockets back in the mid 2000s. You know, when I started my site, there was really no other resource for advanced college stats. And, um, you know, their organization was obviously ahead of the curve uh, in terms of recognizing the value of those stats in terms of preparing for the draft. So, um, so we did have some conversations and uh, you never really had a formal arrangement in terms of working for them, but uh, um yeah, there was there were a few months there where I was uh, you know providing them with with data for I think it was the 06 draft. Okay, well we'll we'll count that as working with the Houston Rockets then. If you've all influenced right. Daryl Morey at all, I give you a ton of credit. Oh yeah, for I, sure. I totally believe you did. Um, <laughs> all right, number two on this list, it peers. This is word for word from Wikipedia. Peers have taken to calling you quote Doctor Popo unquote because of your possession by possession stance. Yeah, I have no idea where that came from. Uh, <laughs> totally, that is 100% false. No, yeah, that's a but a great example of how you can't trust everything on uh, on Wikipedia. It don't 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 you worry. I'm taking notes too right now because you can you know send a little note over to Wikipedia. I'm gonna get this page fixed up and you know <laughs> stuff like that taken off. <laughs> Appreciate that. Gotcha. All right, and number three. This is well, I won't say if it's true or false, but Jim Beheim ripped you in a press conference last year after a loss right that's you know kind of true like he uh so what was the uh the content of his uh press conference there it had to do with uh, uh I, I don't know what happened really it was uh, you know his press conference it was a total non sequitur in the press conference but he's just talking about whoever they lost to and uh and then he just pivots like does a 180 and mentions that i uh somehow have this system where i attribute like defensive responsibility for giving up a shot uh or something like that giving up a three-pointer i don't know what it was 
But, yeah, I think uh, it was like it was like a player hits a certain percent from a certain spot on the court, and this person's responsible for giving that up. And yeah. he was blaming you of all people for right. like somehow I was like, yeah. <laughs> Buddy Beheim had a, a bad grade or something, and uh, and it's not my metric. I guess it does exist, and I believe uh, another Syracuse blog was responsible for publicizing that. And so I can only assume, like, at some point, uh, somebody in the Syracuse athletic department, like, put this on Jim Beheim's desk or something. There's no way he's, like, surfing the internet looking for this stuff. And somehow he connected my name to it, which uh, obviously was a total mistake. But, you know, that's how my name ended up in his mouth in a, in a, in a press conference situation. So uh, I guess you can file it under, you know, any publicity is good publicity. But it was, uh, it was pretty hilarious to see him rant about me. Yeah, got to be both flattering to, you know, anytime Jim Beheim is name dropping you, if that's me, I'm like, oh my God, that's incredible. But uh, a yeah. little undeserved on the antagonistic <laughs> side there. So, well, Thanks thank for- you. Thank you for participating in my Wikipedia Ken Pomeroy game. <laughs> no problem. Makes for, makes for a cool story. Uh, you know, with the new year starting as well, Ken, you know, and it's, it's, the game of basketball is kind of ever changing. And I mean, it's changing, honestly, at a day-to-day thing. Basketball is just not played the same way it was a couple of years ago. It's, it's really a, you know, that's what really makes the game beautiful. I think and I kind of just want to get your, you know, kind of outlook on the year that is ahead of us and kind of, you know, what there is to look forward to with, you know, Ken Palm. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know that I have any like, uh, you know, sage words of wisdom on, on that front. Um, I, you know, I guess I just, you know, think as far as the season goes, like, I'm just thankful that there is a season and, you know, I'm just kind of accepting whatever comes our way. You know, obviously they're high profile programs that are, you know, struggling to get on the court. Um, so, you know, to me, any, any game you see on TV that's being uh, executed is uh is a, a bonus and that's kind of how I look forward to the season, especially given the fact that, you know, really the eligibility clock is frozen for everybody as well. Like it seems to be how, you know, the NCAA is looking at this season and um, it's almost like a, I don't know what to call it, but kind of a, a practice season in a way, like, um, you know, we're just hoping to get through this, have an NCAA tournament. And uh, overall, I think when they have, when we have seen games played, like the quality of basketball has been, you know, just as good as it's ever been. So I think that's uh fun and encouraging it's not like the season is a farce in any way necessarily I mean obviously the game's getting canceled um, has some impact but uh, the games that are being played are actual basketball games with people playing you know basketball at a high level and so you know that's obviously always going to be entertaining to watch for sure and also I have to ask uh, there's a viral tweet going around it was by, actually by Kevin Durant and I want to know kind of if you've seen that kind of circulating around the Twitter world. It was, uh, I believe, on one of his Twitter accounts because, you know, he has his burner Twitter accounts <laughs> and whatnot. One of them. But he, uh, he referenced that in a basketball argument, um, who wants to look at graphs, <laughs> basically. I, I want to know if you've seen that tweet and kind of get your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I saw the tweet. And, uh, hey, I totally understand that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> You know what? If I was Kevin Durant, I wouldn't want to look at graphs, okay? And, I mean, part of the reason I do want to look at graphs is that I'm not Kevin Durant. Uh, um, so, I, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, that's, I mean, I take no offense. I never take offense in any comments like that. You know, people are, are not into analytics. No big deal. But especially if you're Kevin Durant, like, if you become the best, best at what you do in the world, like, why the heck, you know? of course you don't want to look at graphs. Like, why do you want to get bogged down in that? Like, you know, your approach is like proven to work, you know, over your entire life. Like you should have no doubts about that. So, uh, 
So yeah, I don't, I, I take zero offense to what, uh, to that, what that tweet said. And I always find it hilarious when other, like other, you know, colleagues of mine start to take offense. Like if Charles Barkley says something, you know, like he'll take shots at analytics all the time. And it's like, come on, man, Charles Barkley is hilarious. Like he's clearly on TV <laughs> here to entertain us. And he does a very good job at that. Like if you're taking offense, there's analytics takes, like you, you know, you need to chill out a little bit. Hey, I think KD might come around because if Kyrie Irving wants 10 post-ups a game, I mean, we gotta, we gotta just be clear if that's an efficient shot or not. And my guess is it might not be compared to Kevin Durant with the ball in his hand. So who knows? Maybe he'll come around and be a Ken Palm advocate soon. Yeah. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not angling for that. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, Ken, thanks for being here. I've got one question before we wrap for you. So Going back, you can go all the way back to 2002 in your database. You've got historical player of the year rankings, player efficiency metrics. You've got team efficiency metrics. Give me the best team that you can remember seeing since the inception of your database and the best player, whether this is an eye test thing or whether it's what your your system says. I'd be curious to know your answers. Uh, I think the best team has always worked out to be uh, Kentucky in 2015. Obviously, uh, you know, from the purest, a controversial choice because they didn't win the national title. But, uh, you know, just a, an example of the fact that, you know, in our sport, we have a single elimination tournament. And uh, unlike the NBA, our games are also shorter and only 40 minutes. So, uh, you know, there's obviously potential for, for upsets. Um, the best player is uh, a little bit more difficult, but uh, I would like to give a shout out to uh, my guy, Alan Williams, who uh, is my favorite player of all time. Uh, played, for, uh, played for UC Santa Barbara uh, back in the day. Um, was really just uh, an amazing player from uh, the analytics side in terms of, he just did a little bit of everything, like rebounds and, and block shots and getting to the free throw line. He, was, he didn't shoot threes, but he did everything else really, really well. And was kind of like this obscure player at UC Santa Barbara for four years. And, uh, you know, eventually got paid in the NBA, did get a contract. Now I think he's playing in, uh, uh, in Russia, I believe. But uh, I'll give a shout out to Alan Williams because nobody else will. He'll be a forgotten player in a few years. But uh, he was one of the guys, one of the early guys in my analytics journey that I would never have known about had it not been for uh, kind of crunching the numbers. Love that. Love that. All right. And very last thing, please go on record. Cause I, I coach a freshman high school basketball team in Michigan and I'm dying to know as all of my coaching peers are dying to know foul up three or no. Well, I would say in the, in the high school world, definitely not. Um, <laughs> as you move up the food chain and you, you know, you're playing teams that might have like four or five capable three point shooters on the floor, then it becomes, more of a question, but um, in any event, do not foul with greater than eight seconds or fewer than four seconds. If you can foul within that four to eight second window, then I think it's uh, at least defensible. Ken, that's spoken. enough for me. <laughs> that's all I needed. I love it. All right. Well, Ken, thanks so much for being here. If you're listening to this, please consider subscribing to KenPom.com. I can tell you it's going to change your life if you're a basketball fan. I truly believe that. Um, Ken, I know you had a podcast previously. Are you still doing anything like that? It might come back this year. I, I didn't do it because I just thought all of my conversations would 
eventually end up talking about COVID in some way. And so uh, I figured nobody really wants to hear that. And I don't really want to talk about that. So, uh, so it's, uh, it's on hiatus, still on hiatus, but there's definitely hopes to, uh, to bring it back next year when uh, things get back to normal. Love it. Well, People I'll be tuned that. in whenever it returns. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks for having thanks, me on. Guys. I appreciate it.